0: You're listening to Underestimated, real stories from real women, discussing how they've overcome everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. For my first time listeners, I started this podcast with the idea to create a children's book series that empowered girls and quickly realized that there are many more real-life stories from women I know that I could take and repurpose for my children's book series. So I created this podcast, interviewing strong women and hearing their experiences of overcoming hurdles. You'll even hear a brainstorming session at the end of every episode where we work to plan out how we can translate their experiences into a children's book. All right, so I'm so excited because I have Shida Tarabi. On our podcast today. Um, Shada is the CEO of Restart CBD. So I have a ton of questions about that business. Um, I'm just authentically curious about the industry. And I think I'm very naive regarding what's legal, what's not. And I know my mom is going to hear this and have tons of questions. So I'm excited to talk to you about one, being a female entrepreneur and two, the challenges of starting an a business in an industry that is fairly new. And then you're also a top Austin blogger. She's a marketing expert, public speaker, and also has her very own podcast. So when you're done listening to this episode, go check out To Be Blunt. It's wonderfully punny. (laughs) But thank you so much, Shada, for coming on today.
1: Thank you so much, Crystal, for having me. I'm excited to have a conversation with you and hopefully explore some new ways of thinking for your listeners.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I want to dive in. Um, I know my mom's going to listen to this and her first thought's going to be, is that that legal? I'm pretty sure that's illegal. So do you want to give us a well-rounded explanation of when did CBD oil become legal? Is it legal in Texas? Is it legal to ship? Like great question. So
1: so yeah, CBD is a very buzzy you know term these days. It stands for cannabidiol and cannabidiol is one of 160 cannabinoids. So you might be more familiar with THC. THC is what people usually associate to the feeling of being stoned or high. And I bring that up because it's a Point of you know reflection for cannabis in general. I think CBD and cannabis have mis you know guided information. It's a lot of confusion out there. People don't really know what they're getting. They're concerned if it's legal, if it is going to make them high. So that kind of sets the tone. So I'll start at the beginning. Cannabis is the parent plant or the plant you know, class, if you will. And then marijuana, which is high in THC, low in CBD, is one type of plant. That is not legal in Texas, that is not legal federally, but that is legal in states like California, Colorado, Washington, et cetera. Now there's another plant called hemp, and hemp is high in CBD, low in THC. And industrial hemp is not as sexy as marijuana, of course, because it doesn't have that effect to make you feel psychoactive, usually, is the scientific kind of framing around it. But hemp has lots of applications. They say hemp is the plant with 50,000 uses, hemp can be used. For CBD oil and CBD products, so extracting that cannabinoid out and creating, which we'll get into some CBD type products. But hemp also has applications from a clothing and fiber perspective. There's applications for fuel, for fiber, hempcrete to be building houses with. So, like hemp is a really industrial crop that historically we've grown for a long time in America, but there was a period when uh, you know drugs and the war on drugs was happening, that marijuana started to take over and eclipse hemp and they got lumped together. And that's why you kind of have this, this question of, is it legal? Is it not legal? So hemp does not make you high, but hemp is now actually federally legal thanks to the 2018 Farm Bill. So hemp's been legal since 2018 federally, so all 50 states. And then hemp has been legal in Texas since 2019. So last year in 2019, the Texas passed a House Bill 1325 that legalized hemp and they're in Fort CBD in the state of Texas. So what that means is you can contain, or your products can contain less than 0.3% THC. So that was a lot of sciency words. The quick cliff notes version is hemp is not marijuana. Hemp is legal everywhere. Hemp does contain trace amounts of THC. As a result of that, even because it's hemp, it still could make you fail a drug test. But CBD has come to market as being really medicinal and has a lot of medical applications, which is why it's so popular right now. So two different plants, but the cannabinoids blend across the plants. That's why there's a lot of confusion. But hemp is very much legal and and very popular.
0: So if somebody in a different state wants to buy from Restart CBD online, it, it's 100% legal. They can, Yeah,
1: so we do ship our products across state lines. I will say certain states do have varying laws. So I know for a fact there are a few states that do not allow what is called full-spectrum CBD, which is the CBD with the trace amounts of THC. Now, there's another kind of product called isolate, which is just CBD being isolated out on its own. No THC, no other cannabinoids or terpenes. Those products are sometimes the only product allowed in a state. So yes, it's legal at a federal level, but depending on your state, you need to check your state's cannabis and CBD laws. But for all intents and purposes, yes, it is legal to ship we ship. You can go to restartcbd.com slash shop and anything that you see is pretty much free for me to be able to ship across state lines.
0: Oh, that's so cool. So another question is for somebody like myself who I could see marijuana, I could see a hemp plant, I could see something that comes from your store and wouldn't know the difference. Like I simply would have no idea what I'm looking at. So How does somebody that wants to start testing the waters know that they're not trying something that might get them in trouble?
1: Great question. So you're not alone. I think that is the concern for a lot of people who maybe have never used cannabis products in general. They obviously have concerns. I think there are some standardizations coming to market right now. What is also fair to point out for anybody listening is while hemp is legal, it is unregulated. And so therefore uh, people can really say anything they want uh, for ingredients, for serving sizes, for dosing, for effects. And there's not really an industry who's managing how that gets, you know, regulated. Mm -hmm. So, so on one hand, I think consumers need to be smart to realize that, yes, this is a very, medicinal and therapeutic plants, but be mindful of where you're shopping. So for example, CBD can be found pretty much anywhere. I'm sure you've seen it at juice shops, coffee shops, Um, our brand Restart. If you're here in Austin, we've done really fun collaborations with brands like Lick Ice Creams and Blenders and Bowls have added, you know, our CBD into their products. And so There's those types of applications, but then I see CBD being sold in gas stations or CBD being sold maybe in like your chiropractor's office. Not that those are red flags that mean that the product isn't quality. It's just do your due diligence as a consumer. So our brand restart is education first. We believe that it's your body. You should know what's going in it. So we encourage people to ask questions, to um, have conversations with us, to challenge what we're saying. I never want someone to listen to me and think that I'm the, you know, the, the only voice. I'm just somebody who does do a lot of research and is really passionate about this plant and really cares about people having confidence and understanding because it's so highly stigmatized. So what I would say people should look for is some sort of quality marker, right? For me as a millennial, I look for things like who is the brand I'm buying from. If I look at your label and I can't tell that you have a website or an Instagram or some sort of social presence. I I don't know who you are, right? And then other things to look for are maybe ingredients. Not that ingredients are all bad, but for example, with our products, we have a minimal ingredient approach, meaning I don't have colorings or flavorings or additives or preservatives. Again, depending on who you are and what you wanna put in your body, those might not be bad things, but I think those are things that consumers should look for. Hey, what what are the actual ingredients in this product? Another really big one is also how much CBD. So going back to the unregulation, it's hard to know what is the right amount. And for listeners, I'm using air quotes because (laughs) right, right amount is a relative term. And unfortunately, that's where it gets kind of tricky. People are like, oh, I heard I should take CBD. I mean, Crystal, the amount of messages I get in my inbox that pour out, I'm going through this type of recovery from this accident, or I have this skin irritation or disease. I've heard CBD can help. What's the right product for me? How much should I be taking? Absolutely, like I can help coach someone to a product and give them a good framework, but like the industry isn't really set up right now to be like, you should take twenty milligrams three times a day because you have headaches, and you should take sixty milligrams three times a day if you have chronic pain. Like, there's just no, there's no direct, explicit dose, and so I think for consumers, to, to baseline to start looking at the product label and seeing is there CBD in this product? Because you'd be surprised. I've had people bring CBD bottles to us saying, hey, I take CBD, this is what I take. And I go, do you know how many milligrams that is? And they can't even tell me what's in their bottle. And when I start doing the math, I realize it's a really low dose. you know. And sometimes when people are looking for CBD to be effective, there there are thresholds to what is a quality dose you know sometimes it's not enough for what you're taking it for and so people just don't know that and they get sold a product and it doesn't do what they want it to do and it could be because the other ingredients are not great ingredients it could be because there's not actually enough cbd to be helpful in a dose it could be you know a number of reasons why and so i think it's just really important because it's becoming more and more popular um, but also because unregulated consumers really should do their homework when it comes to what cannabis products they are putting in their bodies on their bodies.
0: Yeah. Um, I definitely can see where I would have been one of those people. I was like, oh, I take this. What? <laughs> and
1: most people are. And it's like kind of just like the state of it. Like you don't know what you don't know. Right. So yeah. it's just getting people comfortable to play around. I always like to highlight too, you know, when you look at medication, for example, or alcohol. Some of these are recreational vices. Some of these are obviously like medicinal, not even vices, but like medication. Like I'm not advocating people should not be on their medication. If your doctor is telling you that you need a prescription for something, you should listen to your doctor. However, I think there's a lot of, um, There's a lot to be learned from plant-based medicine and more holistic healing approaches. And I think we're seeing more doctors and consumers be open to that. And so sometimes that means maybe taking less medication or a lower dose of your prescription and supplementing it with cannabis. And so I think that's a really exciting conversation, but it's just, it's so new. So we're kind of leaning into it and it's evolving as we're talking about it.
0: So with that with this industry being so new, I know that, um, you and I both started in like the music industry, which is kind of a fun, (laughs) fun fact. Um, and then you were really into marketing and then you started this business. So how did you find this passion and decide you wanted to start, uh, restart CBD?
1: I feel like the luckiest girl to be building and growing this brand And it really came with, you know, a lot of doors shutting, right? So I did start my career in the music industry. I grew up in Austin. And so I think, you know, cannabis and live music, there's maybe an argument to say that they play very (laughs) well together. But um, I think at my core, I really love people and communities. And so that was my passion. It was like live music. I wanted to work in, you know, music venues, experiential events, things like that. And when I was getting time to graduate, there wasn't a role at the music company that I had my eye on. So I ended up getting a job in technology at a WordPress management hosting company. So very unsexy, but at the time was, it's kind of like, you know, you don't know what the opportunity was until I sound like, you know, the older woman who's like looking back at her her early years and she's like, Oh, little did you know, but that's kind of how it was. You know, I, I went into that job, not really expecting much, but I joined a company called WP engine, which if you're in Austin, they're a pretty well-known technology startup. I was one of their founding employees. I was employee 13 and I ended up scaling with the company to about 650 employees. They had expanded from Austin to San Antonio, to San Francisco, to London, Ireland, Australia, Australia and beyond and got to grow my career in a way that I could have I couldn't have ever planned that right like if if the music industry would have worked out obviously I'd be living a different life but you know here I am and so I think that really gave me a good foundation for technology and it gave me a good opportunity to lean into marketing so because it was a startup i got to wear lots of different hats i learned lots of different facets of marketing i was putting it into play watching this company grow from 13 employees to 70 employees to 600 employees and you get to kind of see how a business is being built so i really appreciated that experience in my life because i i watched a very successful company get to be built and i had a part in building it so i did that for six years
0: That's a really quick too. For it to grow that fast. Like I can't even uh, that that experience had to have been invaluable. The things that you learned. Hyper growth. It was so crazy.
1: I remember telling my mom I got hired at WP Engine and my mom was like, What? Like who? And I was like, I don't care. They're paying me money. They're gonna let me do marketing. And I also feel fortunate that I majored in marketing and I'm one of those people who majored in the degree that they actually had a passion in. And so I put my degree very much to you. So like for me, it was somebody who saw an opportunity and was like, Hey, do you want to do the thing that you majored in full time? And you're like, yeah, I don't know what hosting is, but I know what marketing is. And that sounds fun. And we got to be, um, Again, for anybody listening or in the entrepreneurship space or just, you know, startup world in Austin, uh, Capital Factory is a startup incubator here in town that is very well known, very, very successful. They've got multiple locations now. They have a group in Dallas, um, but we were one of their founding kind of companies. And so that was also a fun experience getting to be a part of not only WP Engine growing up, but the startup community and culture and just like how these networks are created, and who these entrepreneurs are. And so I just like grew up around people who were creating things that coupled with our parents, my parents are entrepreneurs. I say are because my sisters and I run the business. But our parents are entrepreneurs and run a very um, family level successful uh, insurance agency here in Austin. But they supported me always to like, what do you want to do? What does that look like? and And where I think it intersects with cannabis beyond the music is, um, you know, I, I got exposed like many young kids to what I'll quote as like the, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of lifestyle of live music in Austin. And, and I didn't really like alcohol and I didn't really like other things. I really just liked cannabis. And so I participated with lots of, you know, as I will share maybe cannabis experiences mostly preferably in legal states but sometimes not in legal states and uh, always had an open relationship with my parents that as I was navigating my career that was always just something that I liked and I I used and I had you know familiarity with but I didn't know like what I know now about the plant right I was very much into the culture of cannabis but I didn't like know the the educational piece behind it and so, There was a quick stint in between WP Engine and Restart when we founded where I I left uh, WP Engine to go work for a digital agency. I was ready to move on from WP Engine. I had spent a lot of good years there, invested a lot, didn't really know what my next move was, kind of wanted to stay in technology, also wanted to try entrepreneurship, but literally had no idea what that looked like in practice. And I would say it was, you know, good timing, good intuition, and just like stroke of luck. Um, I, before I left WP Engine, actually this is really important. Before I left WP Engine, I was in a car accident. So I was hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian, downtown Austin, 6th Street in Guadalupe, and fractured my pelvis in two places. Not fun, would never wish, you know, my worst enemy to be in a car accident and, you know, I was in my mid twenties. And so to be confronted with chronic pain at such a young age was not something that I think I was prepared for. Right. You know, I think you, you hear obviously aging causes different complications, but to be 25 and yeah, you don't expect it. And so just to be like, well, crap, now I'm trying to heal my body. What does that look like? I was doing traditional recovery. I was on pain medications, steroid injections, and now my orthopedic surgeon's office over the course of months. So I was like still in pain for months after doing all these traditional methods of of treatment and recovery and healing. And because I had this open relationship with my parents, because I was using cannabis kind of, you know, throughout my life, my mom honestly was the person who was like, Do you know what CBD is? <laughs> in the middle of my recovery, and I'm kind of like. Mom, cool it. Like, oh, what? What are you talking about? Like, no, I don't know what CBDS, and I Googled it. I learned it was a cannabinoid. I learned it was in hemp and marijuana. And so my my first thought was, oh, surely I'm getting this because I'm already consuming, right? Not realizing what I explained earlier, hemp and marijuana have different ratios of CB to teach to. So, In reality, I wasn't getting any CBD, I was getting a lot of THC. And so while it was helping chill me out during my recovery, it wasn't actually healing. me. And so I just didn't have any sort of connection to CBD actually being used for inflammation, which is one of the top reasons people use CBD for today is is pain management. And so you know, there's a longer version of the story, but essentially, my mom approached me with CBD, encouraged me to start taking it. I was like, hell no, mom, that's crazy. I'm just going to keep doing my own stuff. Ultimately, caved in, started consuming it. At that time, there was no market. I mean, we're talking about hemp went legal just two years ago. So, this was five years ago. Uh, there were, there was no,
0: at that time, where did you find it? You,
1: you got it overseas in Europe. So Europe and China are huge processes, processors of hemp. And so CBD to frame it also wasn't illegal. It just wasn't legal. So it wasn't like you couldn't have it. And people were kind of selling it here and there. There were like, you know, maybe like hippie brands or Mm -hmm. mom and pop brands that were selling it, but there was no like, um, like a restart CBD, like a place you could go and you could buy or a shader that you could talk to and ask questions. And she would be knowledgeable about like that just didn't exist five years ago in this capacity that we're seeing it right now. And so I really was blind. I didn't know how much I was taking. I was really just consuming whatever my mom was giving me. And so much so that within the span of about a month, I remember waking up on my left side of my body, which was a side that was hit in the accident, which prior to this could not sleep on my left side after the accident. It just, the weight of my body was too much. It gave me so much pain. And I woke up one night and realized I was on that side of my body and I hadn't even noticed my body. Yeah. And you just, you know what your pain feels like. And you know, when your pain is alleviated and it was just like crazy. Like I had not changed anything else, but incorporated CBD into my diet and lifestyle for that month. And I knew that 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 was something there. And so of course we didn't launch right away. My parents would go on to kind of encourage my sister and I to think of what we could do. And it honestly, just like I said, in the beginning of kind of sharing this part of the story, it was just very smart timing on everybody's part. We put our heads together we created with my background in hosting and wordpress i built our website we literally used a um like a $25 download make your logo on a website you know thing to make my logo we used coolers which is a color picking website to pick our colors and just started talking about CBD. And because my mom kind of was sourcing it for us as a family over the years, since my accident, she knew how we could source it to really go to market with our own line of products. And when we launched, I launched as like a side thing. So I left WP engine, went to the digital agency. And when I was at the agency, it's when I launched the company, but I launched it as like, yeah, here's this thing that I take. And maybe if people want to talk about it, we'll sell CBD. And around that time, people started talking about it a lot more. I had friends who were not cannabis consumers who knew that I consumed cannabis, but didn't know that I consumed CBD because really what was CBD? People didn't know what that acronym was. They were like, oh my gosh, Shada, you know about marijuana. You surely must know about CBD. And I was like, I do. Why are you asking? (laughs) You know, and and you start just seeing people were being curious and I saw it popping up in smoothie shops. And so we really just put our heads together over a weekend, created this really like light framework of a brand and started making small batch products and selling at our local gyms. And, and then I got laid off from my agency job and I was really at a turning point where we had enough proof of concept that restart was, was a quality brand and CBD was a conversation that people were ready to have. And enough support from my parents that, you know, I felt it was a blessing from God. I was like, Hey, I was struggling with this transitional, you know, role I was in. It was a great agency. I just was trying to figure out, you know, what, what am I doing? Where am I going? Had all this knowledge about cannabis, didn't really know where it was, you know, fitting in life. And then to be in this accident and then to just have it manifest in this opportunity of, Your family is like totally supportive of you going into this market. You're doing it with your sisters. You're a female. You're doing it in Texas. Wow. Texas has such crazy cannabis laws. I just (laughs) felt very like, okay, God is clearing the path. This is very, you know, apparent that I need to be investing in this and dedicated to this. And, and as they say, you know, the rest is history. So yeah, we've been in business, um, in August will be two years officially. So Mm
0: -hmm. I love, I love how frequently entrepreneurs really kick off their business because they they ended up be going through a layoff, and it's like it just for so frequently it that's all the stars aligning for them to go okay, well let's see where we can go with this, and that I love that story. So with this podcast, the title being underestimated stories for women. I like to hear stories, either challenges or times you've been underestimated, and I think you probably certainly have a lot of challenges going through this industry um, and navigating it in Texas. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share?
1: Oh my gosh, Just which one do I pick?
0: <laughs> I think I'll, I think I'll speak, speak kind
1: of like generally to, um, you know, being a female in this industry, I think it's it's a privilege to me, honestly. I'm really grateful, like I said, that I have the support to live out loud publicly. I I share with my dad a lot of times because my my father is an Iranian immigrant, so our mother is American, dad is a first generation immigrant, and he's traditional, right? So yes, my dad loves, supports me, wants me to like be the best version of myself, and is totally empowering me to be this business owner. But I think he's also very cautious. You know, hey, it's cannabis. This is kind of a really interesting industry. Um, are you are you being safe? Are you gonna you know end up in jail one day? Like what does that look like? How do you create content around that? And so I think also there's this stigmatization around what a cannabis consumer looks like. There are you know negative associations. There's degenerate associations. And trying to really come forward and be a professional image a female voice saying look you can be successful you can be a great contributor back to society you can be a great daughter you can be a good friend and a mother you can be a good business owner and because you like cannabis or use cannabis in any of its forms whether it's high thc or high cbd you're still a good person like cannabis is not as anti as it's been painted to be and so i think that's something that i fight and deal with a lot of times being underestimated around of just, you know, being taken seriously or the legitimacy of this industry. So to kind of reflect a little bit on like how I see that applied, right. I'm very active in LinkedIn right now. And if you're in the cannabis space, LinkedIn is a huge untapped opportunity because that's really where this industry from a, you know, business to business perspective is going and networking and hanging out. Well, prior to cannabis, I was very involved in technology, very involved in the Austin, you know, just startup community. And so I have a lot of friends and relationships, very professional people, very successful business owners in town who have opinions on what cannabis is and isn't. And, you know, me coming forward and saying, you know, oh, I'm running this business or I'm doing this thing. There's always in the back of my mind, you know, what are people going to think? Are they going to think differently of me because I'm sharing about this plant that they think might be bad or illegal, or am I crossing a line or something like that? And so I ended up sharing, we published this, uh, Restart CBD is on YouTube. If you like YouTube or you want educational content, we've got a wealth of it over there. And so we recorded this video that was in response to a very popular question we get. So if you're listening and you're wondering, one of the ways that you can use CBD is by smoking it to answer a little bit of your question earlier too, it does look just like marijuana, but you can smoke industrial hemp just like you would marijuana. You're not going to be stoned, but it's a very nice therapeutic effect. It also comes in pre-rolled joints, just like a marijuana joint would. So there's a little bit of that stigma. People are assuming, oh, you're smoking. You must be smoking dope. So we get questions. You know, how do I smoke a joint? I've never smoked before. Which side do I light? You know, very basic questions, but very fair questions to someone who's maybe never smoked before. And it's one of the more popular ways to consume CBD. So my sisters and I were marketers. We're like, okay, let's put our heads together. Let's make some videos answering this. So I did a simple video, how to smoke a joint and how to put the joint out. Crystal, it got so much engagement. It was so popular on YouTube. And we had people who were engaging with us and giving us really great positive feedback. But it's me smoking a joint on a video. But it's a professional thing, right? Like I'm trying to help educate people on a product that is legal that I sell, but here I am smoking a joint on a video that's now on the internet. So, you know, I'm me and I take everything that I get to do as a privilege and and a blessing. And so I'm saying, Hey, I'm in this position. I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to share this video on my, on my LinkedIn. This is where my peers are talking. This is a question that gets brought up. I want to share my content. So I shared it. And I remember like hitting publish and just thinking like, Oh my gosh, what are all my industry my non-cannabis industry peers gonna think of me? And I think um I need to stop thinking that way, right? Because it's it's not gonna get me any farther, faster. And so for me, there's been a lot of points where I've been underestimated, but the one point that I think that I have control over is how I respond and handle myself and realize that. They can underestimate me, but I shouldn't take that pressure on and underestimate myself. And I know enough about myself and my, my core beliefs and my why, and like really, truly care about this plant and really love my community, both here in Austin and, you know, abroad and and nationally, and, and just want to connect curious consumers to really great products. And so I don't know if that answer necessarily you know, a specific time I felt underestimated, but I think just by being in this industry, there's a lot of ways that people are looking at, you know, again, what does a cannabis consumer look like? What does it look like to be professional and a business owner in this space? Oh, by the way, you're a female that I just kind of am navigating every day and, and having fun changing people's minds. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I love that you, you brought up that how, weary and and scared you were to publish that. I actually saw that video on LinkedIn and I loved it. (laughs) It was great. But I feel like a lot of women go through that. Friends, I I was feeling that today. I was working on sending my first children's book off to the illustrator and I just like so many questions. Like, is this good enough? Like, what am I doing this right? I don't know what I'm doing right now. Like, and just questioning myself so much. I'm like, is anyone going to buy this one day? (laughs) Like, And I think that's something that so many as women, but I mean, even beyond women, we just question ourselves too much. And sometimes you just got to pull the trigger and just go, okay, let's, we're going to go for it. I need to have faith in myself and give yourself a little bit more positive talk and then move on.
1: It's so hard, but it's so, it's like simply that it's, it's like feeling the fear and doing it anyways, and realizing that as long as you, you know, I'm not saying every idea that we have is is a great idea. Right. You shouldn't just fire, you know, blindly. But if you trust yourself enough and you know that what you're doing is with integrity and of quality and something that you're proud of representing, who cares what anybody else is saying? Like they're the haters. I love uh, Brene Brown. She talks about you know the people in the stands versus the person in the arena. And that's just something that as, as a female and as just an individual, we all fight constantly all these critics. And so it's just, how do you don't ignore them? They're there. I think feedback is important, but don't let it get in the way of you being in action and actually producing work.
0: I think that's another challenge that I, I take a lot of feedback and then I think sometimes it's hindering, um, And there was a quote I saw somewhere that was, don't take feedback or from somebody that you went and go to for advice in the first place. Just don't. (laughs) They're not going to tell you anything that you need to know.
1: (laughs) It's so true, but it's just refreshing. I hope the listeners can relate and I'm sure they will because that's like your whole spirit is just this relatability of like you're not alone. Right. And I think the more that I surround myself with those reminders. So I love opportunities like this to connect with fellow women who are just being badasses in their categories and their industries. And, you know, maybe people listening can't relate to every aspect of my story, but hopefully there's threads in there. That's like, Oh, I see myself in what Shada went through or how Shada overcame or persevered through that. And I think that's really the magic piece is just, you know, you can see and hear everything that I've done in my life and apply it directly to your life and it will not net the same results. And I think far too often we look at people in positions and we say, oh, I want to emulate that person. I want to I have the same success they have. And where I found the most uh, opportunity to be successful from those experiences is just really trying to understand where I fit into it. So what are my strengths? What are her strengths? What are their strengths? And then leaning into what you're best at and just kind of allowing that to be your your force to drive you forward. You don't have to be great at everything.
0: And you don't have to compare yourself. You don't have to be in the same place that they were whenever you're there either. Um, I I have a friend that has um, her own little boutique and she's constantly like, looking at some competition all the time. And I'm like, stop it. That's not you. That's not you. Just do you. What you're doing has been proven to work. <laughs> stop looking at the competition. Stop looking at other people. People are coming to you for what you've produced. So go <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. And I you think that a- blinders up. <laughs> yeah, you do. So what is the one thing that you would say through all of these experiences you are the most proud of?
1: I am really big on legacy and impact. And for me, it is really personal to be building this brand and to be doing it in my hometown and and to be doing it with my family. That I think for me, that's the biggest blessing is just being able to have some sort of voice that you can see actually make some sort of difference in your community and, and kind of reflecting on what we were talking about too. I oftentimes get sidetracked thinking, you know, when am I going to hit a million, a million followers, a million dollars in revenue, a million, you know, whatever, this or that, whatever that milestone is, there's always something Instead of, you know, living in this present moment of what we're getting to do. And so, yeah, as as a Texan, as an Austinite to wake up every day and say, I get to be in business with my sisters and my family to have a relationship with them and to be authentically me talking about cannabis. It's hard to top that.
0: I, I think it has to be one of the coolest industries to be in right now.
1: It is a very cool, very disruptive and constantly changing. I mean, there's just so many aspects that you have to be kind of comfortable with the change. And yeah, for me, it's just something that I've, I'm learning to thrive in and just reflect on as this is a blessing. We get to navigate this, we get to have an impact, we get to have a voice. And I think that's really, really a sweet spot for me.
0: Yeah. So one of my other questions, it's one of my favorite questions to ask is, because I'm always asking my guests to come in on and tell stories of when they've been underestimated, how they overcame those challenges. Um, But I also like to ask, have you ever underestimated someone? Because I think a lot of times beyond just underestimating ourselves, we somehow get stuck in some of these cultural stigmas as well.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely uh, like somebody who underestimates people all the time. I think probably most immediate I will say when you're in a family business, it's very easy to fall into family roles. And I think for me being the eldest sister, it's been something that I've had to become more aware of and more mindful of as my sisters are helping me build the business, but doing so at you know later stages in their professional careers. So I, for example, was in the workforce for a couple of years before I went into entrepreneurship. My middle sister had, you know, less years than me and our littlest sister just joined the business. She's fresh out of college. So she has no work, work, you know, application experience. And I don't say that to underestimate her presently now, but I say that to reflect, you know, we're all at different stages in our lives and it's a blessing to be able to do this together, but also realizing like, sometimes I catch myself with my sisters, like you don't know what you're doing because you've never done this before. Instead of letting them show me and learn, I forget that when I was growing up in my career, that somebody trusted me very much so with the farm, so to speak, and gave me that shot and that opportunity. And so I would say immediately with my sisters is something that I acknowledge. And then kind of from there, we definitely have created kind of a safe space. We've hired some really incredible women on our team. We've been fortunate enough to grow and be able to hire on some people. And not so much that I'm underestimating them, but it's the opportunity that I think, again, we see women being underestimated. And I just have such a sweet spot for women who are looking for connection and looking for growth and looking to like develop themselves because they've been underestimated in other, you know, circumstances or situations or scenarios. And so I think that's also something I'm just very mindful of, of like nurturing young women to be aware of what's happening in their lives and how they can grow from it. But Yeah. My poor little sisters, they do a tremendous job. They've helped me build an amazing brand. I couldn't be more grateful for them, but I think just by nature, we put people in positions and and boxes based on a lot of things, based on age, based on experience, based on just our preference about them. And it's always a good reminder. So this conversation even is a good reminder to probably go text my sisters and say, thank you. (laughs) for all you do. And I apologize, apologize if I ever underestimated you. That's not my intention, but I think human nature sometimes gets the best of us.
0: I can totally relate to that entire story. Um, My sister has her own little online business and there's a 10 years age gap between us. And so I've been helping her a lot with it and I love it. It's so much fun and it's so rewarding. It started off as like um, a little Facebook group. And then she had 1300 people in this group that were buying stuff from her every day. <laughs> and I was like, you want a website? <laughs> How cool is that? Right. So one, I underestimated her. I was like, oh, this is a cool little side project for her, but she's turned it into a real business. Um, so now we have a, a Shopify site for her. And it's one of those things that exactly what you said, with working with your sisters, that there's so many times that I'm like, okay, this is what we do, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just like, mother hen, did you have to take Uh a step back? Like, no, let her, (laughs) this is her baby. Let her do it. Like she's going to learn. She's going to figure it out.
1: Yeah. It's a delicate balance. I think, especially because like you have that sibling relationship, but I share it too, because when I, what I don't realize is sometimes like people are trying to maybe have family businesses. And I think family businesses are, are more popular than we think. And it's something that as I've gotten into my family business, I'm kind of realizing like, wow, family dynamics on top of running a business are very challenging. And it's both the blessing and the curse, right? It's like, great, I trust these people, I love these people, but then, oh, also I want to mother my sister or <laughs> I have expectations that they should be meeting and not realizing where they're at in life. And and so I found um, myself just looking into more resources that help navigate and understand, you know, how to better work in a family dynamic. And so that's another area that I'm constantly trying to self-improve
0: on. What are some of those resources? I would love to go look at them.
1: So my main one is Gary V, I Gary V. Yeah, he is so incredible. And I think he's really one of the first people that kind of reminded me and highlighted that he runs a family business there. he started with his dad running his family's wine business. And so he'll infuse a lot of that narrative into his advice that he's giving out. And I'm probably his I'm not gonna say his number one fan because I feel like everybody says that, but I religiously (laughs) listen to him. I think he's very sound, kind, intelligent man and just points out things like sometimes, you know, like, well, of course it's gonna be done that way. Like, it's your brother. It's not like, you know, some random guy you're working with. It's your brother, like that's your bond, that's your family. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Well, I can't just like go blow off on my sister. Like, that's my sister, you know. It's it just it has a different delicacy to it. So he's my main resource. Um, I have to look into some more.
0: No, I love Gary V. Um, there's, I just love all He's great with producing content and he's just, he's so real. I sent It's him relatable. A, yeah. He's really relatable. I sent a clip. Um, I don't even remember. Oh, it was probably, um, the stop comparing yourself to my sister. And, uh, so she was like, Ooh, I like him. And I was like, Oh, I never realized I didn't share Gary V with you. I, I, <laughs> Great. Yeah. Here. Here's all the sources. Go, <laughs> yeah, go listen follow. to all of this content. <laughs> You'll learn so much. <laughs> and really do everything. Yeah. He he's been a
1: big motivator for me, just even during this quarantine. And I think that's another thing, probably like worth highlighting. I'm somebody that is really. One, I just took my Enneagram test. I learned I'm an Enneagram three and I did it with like a group of girls who had all done it and they identified me as a three before I took the test. And when I confirmed it, they were like, we knew you were a three. I'm like, oh gosh, okay, great. But if you know about Enneagrams, a three basically is just somebody who's like very into like working and making themselves better, which is me. And so I like things like Gary V because it's something that like I get to do for myself that like gives me new tools to be a better version of me. And so, you know, I think we complain a lot of, I don't have enough time in the day and how am I going to get this done? And like, you make the time for the things that you want to do. And not every idea that you have is going to be the million dollar idea, but like, you need to get your ideas out there. And so it was really by listening to him through quarantine, I just launched my podcast, not even like a month and a half ago. And it was really at the impetus of just listening to him and kind of getting, getting out of my way. Like, knowing that I'm capable of doing what I want to do, what my wildest, craziest dreams are, and just realizing that I need to get out of my way. There's nobody stronger than me stopping me. And I just need to hit send, slide to the right, you know, just like get out. And so I just think that that's maybe something for people listening to resonate with too. Of You know, what are areas in your life that you are deselecting yourself? You're telling yourself you're not good enough. I love the mantra, you know, don't let good be the enemy of great. Like, yes, there's always going to be something better. If you wait, you could always think of, you know, the next better way of saying it, but you need to just kind of put it out there and move through it. And I think that we were talking about that with, you know, just podcasting in general, like concerns if are people going to like it. And maybe I shouldn't practice a little bit more. And it's like, no, just put it out there and you learn as you go. And I think that that's been a tactic and strategy that I've adopted over the years and continue to harness and hone in that has been successful for me in producing the work that you see and all the great things that, you know, people are like, Oh, Shada, you're so blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, that's, that's greatness. When I get out of my way. Right When I'm surrounded right. by people who are motivating me like Gary Vee and putting content in front of me that helps inspire and encourage me. It's like this podcast. I hope people who are listening and they're like, I'm going to go do that thing that I was supposed to do.
0: <laughs> I hope so too. Um, I know that before we started recording, uh, we were talking about recording our very first podcast. And that was the one thing that I had shared is I just had to called my friend up because I was so scared about, I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing or how this is going to work. I'm just going to do it. (laughs) I think that that was where you mentioned something about you, you read somewhere where you're supposed to have like your first 10 podcasts already recorded Mm -hmm. before launching. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I just read that today. And I'm like on my fifth podcast and I was like, Oh crap, I did it wrong. But like, you didn't do it wrong. We didn't do it wrong. We did it the right way for us. And it's just like having more confidence in that. And I think something else fun to share, I said, I would do the podcast. And this is me speaking about my podcast. I said, I was going to do it. Right. So there's maybe that experience or that moment where you're like, I have an idea. I'm going to take it to market. I'm going to start this store. I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to start this blog. And then you're like, Whoa, what did I sign up for? Like, I remember I jumped the gun a little bit. I promoted that I was going to start this podcast. I wanted to get guests. I was just putting the good juju out there. And then I had done my first interview and I was sitting at my computer and I was like, hmm, now, how does she edit this? What does that look like? And I was so scared. I was just like, I don't know how to edit. And then something kind of clicked in me that was like, Shada, it's called Google, it's called YouTube. And I literally said like how to edit a podcast. And then all these great videos popped up. I watched three or four of them and I caught myself in the middle of watching it, getting confident, like, oh, oh, I, I can edit a podcast. I can do this. Like, wow. I, I just taught myself something new and I share it because the experience was so like, I feel like it was me underestimating myself and overcoming it in like such a quick experience where I I was recognizing it. It was me being like, this is really hard. How do I do this? To me being like, I can do this. To me freaking doing it and just being in action and just doing it. And so it's just so crazy that, you know, it's amazing what we can do if we just get out of the way.
0: Google's that we have all the, our generation, we have all the tools we need, <laughs> Like. You can pick anything up. Now. <laughs> Gary
1: said this morning, too, I was listening to him. He was talking about somebody else about competition. I get so discouraged. I think, Oh, somebody else is doing it. You know, you're talking about your sister and what she's selling. Like, I'm not I'm sure. She's not the only one selling those things. You know, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm just not the only one. And you know, to think if we deselect ourselves because of something that we think is happening, Gary said, it doesn't matter if a billion people are competing. He goes, you know, who's going to succeed? The people who have merit, the people who are actually doing good jobs with it. And I think you only get to good by repetition. And Just so, as it. somebody who's, yeah, really into fitness and wellness, I can attest to, you know, we always want to lose the quick weight. We want to, you know, eat the cake and look skinny. And the reality is abs are made in the kitchen. What you put in your body matters. And it's not what you eat one night. It's what you do over the course of weeks, months, years. What's your lifestyle? And so I think when you take that same approach and you put it to professional or personal growth. It's, it's not something that just manifests overnight. It's okay. We're going to start doing a podcast and we're going to record a second episode and we're learning and the third and the 30 and the 300th and maybe the 300th episode. It's so great. Oprah puts you on her show, but it took you doing 300 episodes, questioning, wondering, learning, practicing, trying to get to that 300th episode that Oprah saw. And then she brought you on her show. You know what I mean? So I just think it's a really cool, I'm even like, I'm getting good vibes just saying it out loud to myself like yes Shada, like yes just put it out so I hope somebody can benefit from that little little nit- I, tidbit.
0: I think another thing um I saw I follow a couple of things on Instagram and LinkedIn LinkedIn um and there's one called Decks. Have you heard of Poddecks? I have not. Okay. So it's a deck of cards that are interview questions. So they're just random questions that you can throw out. Um, It actually would be a great party game too, because some of the questions are very interesting. One is like, would you, I I don't know what they, I'm just going to make something up. Like, would you rather eat a tree or would you rather drink water from the ocean or (laughs) something like that? And just random stuff like that. But um, their post that I saw today was something like, uh, stop looking and evaluating your podcast by how many downloads you have. Your podcast has more value than the downloads. And I, I think that's probably specifically hard for you and I who come from a marketing background when impression count downloads, like this is something that as marketers, you look at day in and day out, numbers matter. So it was a very refreshing um just concept coming from something that I had stumbled across. I bought the product and even that product that I spent a couple of bucks on, was like saying the same things.
1: Signs are all around us. The universe, God, spirituality, whatever you believe in is guiding you if you're open to it. I believe in doing really good work, being a kind person, learning about yourself as much as possible to get out of your way so that you can be your healthiest version. I heard that word framing when I was doing my Enneagram test. It was like, you're a 3, but here's where a 3 is healthiest when you're operating in these capacities. And it was just such a cool reflection moment for me because that's what I want. I know that I'm not always going to be this confident version of myself, like I love doing podcasts, I love doing media, right? Like I love I have a story, I'm a marketer, people are like, Oh, my gosh, you're so cool. You do all these things. And then there's me who's the regular person who struggles very much every day of self doubt, self worth, you know, is what I'm doing great? Should I speak? Should I hold my voice, especially I think in today's day and age of what's going on? You know, it's very hard to know, is what I'm saying, insensitive? Is it? Is it helpful? Is it relevant? And so I think it's something that we constantly are, are battling with. And just like bringing it to light and talking about and acknowledging it means you're making progress, right? The, the act of being self-aware. And so I very much like to lean into those types of things because I want to be the healthiest version of myself because the healthiest version of me is where I'm contributing my best Mm -hmm. self to society. And we should all want to be our best selves. So I think, um, it's just, you know, kind of in that same vein of what you have is powerful and important and worth giving to your community but everything kind of in between that's all Mm -hmm. the stuff that we get to sort out and that's our life. Right. So.
0: I love that you expressed how much, how much you question yourself in this episode. Like I think a lot of women that maybe are just not pushing the start button yet. That's just where they're at. I, I mean, I know I question myself a lot and I just have to pull myself out of it. And I think it's good for, for my friends that are listening, for my listeners that are listening um, that it's okay to question yourself. Just pull yourself out of it. Like everyone does it. The last part of the episode is one of my favorite parts because this is where we get to be creative and every episode will be turned into a children's book. Ruthie is the main character and her name is based off of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, Chloe, my dog who is a hound dog is makes an appearance and is shaping up to be quite a drooler and excited character (laughs) in the books I like to come up with a story with my guests um, and how they will be reflected in these children's books. So let's brainstorm a little bit and think about, maybe it'll be fun to think about Ruthie with friends starting a business or... So my
1: personal favorite analogies involve mountains Ooh. because there's always going to be another mountain that you're going to have to climb.
0: Are you going like to go Cyrus.
1: There's always going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes you're just going to have to lose. Um, but no, I'm, very, I'm somebody who likes being outdoors. And I think people that often surprises people. They're like, what? You're such a city girl. I'm like, yes, but I also like hiking and being outdoors. And I just love the the reality and the application of like, hiking is fun and being on a journey is fun. And, and I think it reflects both the climb and the strain that comes when embarking on unfamiliar territory but where I've always found comfort is in reminding myself, it's not about the destination. Like your life is the journey. It's not, ah, oh, I made it to the top of the mountain. Like I got there. It's what are we doing on the mountain? It's, it's the grit. It's the learning. It's the falling down. It's the getting back up. Like those are the victories, right? So like as an entrepreneur, I don't look at anything that I'm doing as like, I've made it. It's just a very nice, you know, next level. And I know that there's always going to be something else that I have to traverse or understand or learn. Um, but just really getting more in sync with the present. And part of that I think does reflect on like getting out of your way and just like allowing it to happen, like being very present to your emotions. And sometimes you need to cry and you need to not push, you know, send on things like you need to respect and honor that space, but also respect and honor when you're not being your healthiest version of yourself and you're creating doubt unnecessarily and just remind yourself like look up you're on this beautiful mountain the sky's all around like I don't know if you've ever been you know hiking in like Colorado or Utah or something it's just these hikes sometimes you're my sister and I were actually in Colorado a couple of weeks ago we drove to Colorado Springs just for a sister weekend before you know things got crazier again and we did this hike and we were Going through, like we started at the top and we were going down almost to the water where this river was rushing and it had all these different layers to it. And I just remember certain parts of the hike, I was overwhelmed because I didn't know where we were going. I was like, Are we going down? Are we going up? This seems very long. And then you, you know, start to see, you come out of the clearing and you're starting to see, Oh, you can hear, oh, there's the river. Oh, here's the lake. Oh my gosh. I turned to my sister and I said, Look at this. Look what we've been hiking amongst not realizing what was out there. And I just think it's such a sweet um, metaphor for me that I cling to a lot is just reminding myself that like, I'm on this mountain. And it is a beautiful journey to be on. And it's never ending. So I don't know if that's applicable. Sand. Yeah, I don't know if that's applicable for Ruthie to be going on a hike, or if it does need to be more like she's well, I in can... a business setting.
0: I can see it as, so it's for six to eight-year-olds is the reading level, but I can see her kids having these amazing amazing imaginations are, so then her and Chloe might have this um, treasure hunt that they're going on and they turn the couch into a mountain. And then what you see in the pictures is them climbing a mountain and then mom walks in and it's actually like they're just climbing on a couch or something like that. I think I'll have to brainstorm a little bit more to find uh, what what hurdles she'll be overcoming. Um, mm. but I really like the imagery of Ruthie and Chloe climbing a mountain and uh, just having a lot of fun with with a child's creativity and that mindset. Maybe it's them taking a walk around their neighborhood
1: with what's the dog's name again? Chloe. Chloe. That's right. Maybe it's like her taking a walk with Chloe around the neighborhood and like picturing the neighborhood being, you know, she's got to dodge neighborhood kids or skateboarders or Mm -hmm. sprinkler systems. I don't know.
0: And it's all about the journey of maybe she's walking to go to the library. I'm a library like nerd. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it's like her
1: first something. She's trying something new. Yeah. I like trying new things. Maybe she could be trying something new or like, maybe it's like the first time, like her mom's letting her walk to the library by herself
0: She has to
1: take Chloe. Yeah. And so she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm going to do this. This is so exciting. But then she's also questioning herself because she's like, I've actually never done this before. And this is really scary. And even though mom trusted me,
0: I'm also freaking out. Oh, that's perfect. And then there's so much I can do with the imagery of every little, like a fire hydrant can turn into something else in her mind, like some kind of monster.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that like scares her, deters her. And maybe when she gets to the library, her friend's already there. Her friend's like, hey, like, let's read this really cool book or let's check out this really cool thing. And it just kind of like subtly reminds her like, oh, that wasn't so scary. I can do that.
0: I love that. Um, okay. That's going to be such a fun book to write and then send off. I know my, my illustrator is going to love doing this project. Um, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if they need help learning more about CBD, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: If they would like to learn more about Restart CBD, the best place is on our Instagram or website. We are at Restart CBD or RestartCBD.com. If people would like to connect with me directly, I'm very active on Instagram. My handle is at with Shada. That's the best place to get a hold of me. And I really appreciate you having me on the show, Crystal. This is a really fun conversation. And I always love just transparently sharing, you know, Journeys and stories and creating relatable moments for people to see themselves in.
0: I I do, too. Thank you so much, Shada, for coming on. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated Stories for Women. If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify, or Clips so you can hear my next story. This podcast is sponsored by Clips. Discover podcast highlights of your favorite shows at www.clip.ps.